With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Today, the RV is headed to Durham to speak with Brendan Bradley. Brendan is an actor, writer, director, and scrappy storyteller, most recently appearing in Dolly Parton's Mountain Magic Christmas special. He is currently touring a virtual reality musical. He's currently touring a virtual reality musical he wrote and performed called no player character. Brandon, welcome to the RV. Well, thank you for coming all the way to North Carolina. Hello, hello. Yeah, it's my first time in North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super excited to talk with you and of course to see your city. And Brandon, you worked and became very close with Jonathan Stoddard, who was recently on our show. So how I did know, you guys met? Tell us. So we met on, I, I co-wrote a movie called The Plus One, which is a wedding comedy that will come out hopefully this year. It stars Ashanti and Cedric the Entertainer and BJ Britt um, and Jonathan Stoddard, uh, among others. And we shot the film in Tampa, Florida for about a month. And Jonathan was there the very first day. Um, he flew in from another movie, so he was very tired. He actually took a nap in the corner uh, while we were getting the shot ready. And then we had to drive to set uh, in a van. And he hadn't really met everybody, and we hadn't really met him, but we'd been kind of chatting uh, very casually. And when we were in the car on the way over there, he mentioned, well, I don't really have a line in the scene today, so I'm fine. Because we were mentioning, we were teasing him about taking a nap, and he was like, "Well, I don't have to do any dialogue today, so I'm fine." And I said, "Oh, well, do you do you want a line?" And he said, "Oh, well, you no, I I don't know that we should just make up lines. Like we can ask the producers what they want to do." And he had no idea that I wrote the script, and I was literally offering, like, "Hey, if if you want to put a line in there, let's talk about your character." And he had no idea, and everybody else knew I was one of the writers, and so they were laughing at him for not knowing this. Um, and so for the rest of the shoot, I just kept offering to write lines, change scenes, add characters for him. Um, but he was an absolute delight. And we ended up actually on the very last night of the shoot, staying up in the hotel, just going to the snack bar and getting chips and cookies and things and just stayed up until the you know sun came up, just chatting about life and movies and art and what we want to do in our careers. And it was a delightful, delightful experience. He's adorable. I just love Jonathan. <laughs> and I can imagine how surprised he must have been when he knew you were one of the writers. You were the correct. Right, right. 
actually I found you on his Instagram. So <laughs> <laughs> we are on each other's Instagram. <laughs> yes. And in addition to being a writer, you are also an actor. So how did you first get into writing, Brandon? How did I first get into writing? I have been writing, I think, my entire life since I was a young child. I enjoyed writing. I never really thought of it as something I would actually be doing as a job or that I was actually even very good at. Um, and it wasn't until I, I was a part of three different theater companies. First, I started producing theater as a teenager, and then I moved to New York City, and I had a theater company at NYU. And then my first theater company kind of as an adult out of school was called Impetuous Theater Group. And our artistic director noticed that I was running our literary department. I was reading scripts. I was suggesting scripts. I was running writer workshops, but I was never contributing anything. And so he told me in the last season of the company, he said, I'm not going to let you act. I'm not going to let you direct. I'm not going to let you produce. The only thing you can contribute for this year is as a writer. So we have an upcoming festival coming up. I expect you to write a one act for it. And that was the first time I ever wrote a play. And that play was called Jettison. We produced it. It went on and got another production in Miami. It was published by Desert Road. And it was my first time ever taking something that I was scribbling away at the side and thinking that anyone would ever want to read it, ever want to produce it. Um, but it began my journey into playwriting, which led into screenwriting. Wow, that's incredible. So since you were a kid, it meant to be. It was meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> and how was it to work at Dolly Parton's Christmas special? Dolly Parton's Christmas special is one of those once in a lifetime projects that you don't even know. People ask me, well, was it a dream? Was it on your bucket list to work with her? And I never imagined there would be a scenario that I would get to work with her. So it wasn't even on the list because who would think they would get to be in a movie with Dolly Parton? That's crazy. That's that. That's beyond a dream or a, a goal. And yeah. so I I auditioned for this movie. I got cast in this movie. It was very exciting. She, it's a, if you haven't watched it, it's a Christmas special. It just came out this last year. It, it takes place in Dollywood. We are in the theme park the entire time filming as if it's a studio lot. They did not shut down the park. So there are park goers and fans all throughout the park that every time she walks out of a building, they've gathered around and they're screaming. You really do see the energy and the, the light that she gives on the world. And she, of course, then, you know, we have to, we have to make a movie and she's over there saying hello to everybody, making sure she gives everybody time. Thanks everybody for coming. Just incredibly generous, incredibly supportive, uh, which really brings a warm, inviting culture on set. So it was a very magical time. I got to live at Dollywood for a month. We made this beautiful Christmas special with amazing cameos and, and beautiful music. I got to sing. I got to dance. What more could you want in the world? Wow. It was more than you had dreamed as before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would definitely need to watch it. And you call yourself a scrappy storyteller. What exactly does that mean? Because I didn't find anything online apart from you. <laughs> so Scrappy Storyteller is a made-up term that I've been using for many, many years to describe as a actor in North Carolina. I grew up without my theater or my high school didn't actually have a theater uh, my senior year to perform. 
And so I had to produce my own play and I had to license my own work or write my own scenes and build the set by myself with my friends. And this idea of scrappiness of, you know, DIY hustle nights and weekends, sweat equity of having to build your own career, build your own work was a part of my culture from the very beginning. For me, ever since I became an artist, there has been a DIY self-starter element to it. Whereas I do think that now, you know, we, we take for granted the fact that you have your own podcast and you're an actor and you're a writer, right? This idea of being a multi-hyphenate, multifaceted creator that literally creates and builds their own content, you know, of having Instagram, of having YouTube, of having a podcast, that didn't exist 20 years ago. That was not a thing. No one had those tools or those resources. So for me, I feel like as an elder millennial, every few years, new tools, new technologies come out that I can at a DIY level, add a new element of my career and make new work. And so I've always been making scrappy, rough, early prototypes, throwing it together on nights and weekends with friends. And that is in some ways become the best part of my career, the most defining part of my career is that yes, I'm an actor. Yes, I'm a writer. Yes, I'm a director, but it's the scrappiness of being able to basically take on projects that I would have never gotten hired on had I not first done it myself and built it on my own in the garage. This is very impressive. I don't even imagine how you could do all these things, like how many years ago, maybe 15 years ago. Yeah. Wow. I can see your mom like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all these things happen well, I, the, the, so so my my mom is she is first and foremost an educator and a, a medical professional uh she is very smart pragmatic guided focused um and she you know of course wants her children to be successful to be safe to make money and so very early on i remember when i was first getting into music as a teenager that was before Napster. It was this idea of MP3s just as a file that at the time were a whole two and a half megabytes, which was an entire hard disk. So you had a disk per song because we hadn't learned how to file compress yet and hard drives were not very big. And then you were trading these MP3s with other strangers on the internet. And my poor mother to her, she's thinking, okay, my son is making music and talking to strangers on the internet and then sending them these files and getting other files back on the family computer and that could have viruses on it and this is all very weird and very dangerous and so she was very concerned and against that but flash forward a couple years and you look at someone like justin bieber who effectively started a youtube channel and became an international superstar and this idea that within a few short years of any technology or any kind of cultural revolution, this happiness, this DIYness can translate into what is the next generation of storytelling or the next big trend. And so it is about that timing. Um, and I just happen to be early to a lot of these things and then probably don't stick around long enough, honestly, is my biggest problem. I don't know much about virtual reality. I'm completely sure. But I see it's a huge part of your performance. I was checking your YouTube. I think it was on YouTube that I saw you. Mm-hmm. And how does it work exactly? Can you tell me with layman's words? 
Sure, sure. So again, like these other technologies, the current technology that is exciting me is virtual reality, specifically extended reality or XR is a term you might hear a lot. And XR just means, or extended reality, just encompasses all the different virtual reality technologies that we have. So augmented reality, you're actually using right now. You've got a backdrop of a animated world, right? That is composited in relation to your real life physical camera, right? And we see this on Instagram and Snapchat all the time. That's augmented reality. And that's growing and, and morphing every single day. Amazing stuff is happening in that space. Virtual reality is where every single component is virtually rendered. So there is no, you can have a camera in there, but again, it's a camera being rendered in space. So you can put yourself in a fully immersive space, but there's no IRL real world element to it, right? You're not putting filters on top of the real world. If it's, if you don't put it in the virtual world, it does not exist. And that's why you see those things where people have the big headsets on their face is they're basically putting a screen on their face and only what you put in the experience is there. And so what I started shifting towards during the pandemic is I'd been working on a movie that I made called The Tale Told by an Idiot, which is an adaptation of Macbeth. And I was using, when I filmed the actors, I filmed with a real camera and I filmed with a depth sensor camera that tracked their, where their hands were and how their mouth was moving. And I put that onto 3D models so I could switch between the real world and the virtual world. And it was this 3D animation thing that I did on a laptop, very crazy, it, it, very old, it does not look like Pixar. It was a very scrappy storyteller thing to do. But in learning how all that worked, making 3D models, making 3D worlds, rendering that out, moving a camera, animation, all of that complemented during the shutdown, my desire to figure out how can we still perform? How can we still gather? How can we still meet when we're all shut in at home? And so this is called social virtual reality or social VR. And it's basically like what we're doing right here on Zoom, except we're in 3D space. It's as if that, that filter behind you is a whole world and you're an avatar and I'm an avatar and we can walk wherever we wanna go in the space. We can pick things up. I can hand you uh, a map inside of the RV as we're driving it. Oh. You know, we can see birds flying over. We might hit a speed bump on the road. Like all of that can be built or programmed in the world. And so I produced a play with three actors in three different cities. Um, and it was actually the same one act that I wrote back in New York, the very first play I ever wrote, Jettison. We put three actors from three different cities in a boat floating on the water, and the audience sat around and watched these three actors perform in virtual reality. And from there, we started producing other artists, dancers, mimes, puppeting, improv, whatever you can think of. We've, we've hosted different artists in these spaces, and we've produced over 35 projects. Um, in virtual reality, and it uses specifically, not to get too nerdy about it, but it uses specifically web-based virtual reality. And what this means is it's all on the internet. It's all on your web browser. So if you have the headset on your face, you go in, you type the URL in of, you know, jettisontheplay.com and you enter the show and you can then be a part of the show. But you right now on your computer or anyone listening right now on their phone could also go to that same URL and enter a 3D experience. And it would just so happen they would use their keyboard or they would use their thumbs to move around because they're not strapping a 
thing onto their face. Um, so in some ways, what web-based virtual reality allows people to do, anyone to do, is any user on any device can enter the same 3D world together and experience the same thing. And so I've been then making plays and musicals using this technology to be able to bring live theater all over the world to different audiences, even if they've never done virtual reality before. Basically, you are one of the first actors who are doing this kind of plays, or am I wrong? No, I will, I will not correct you. Say It's one of these things where I think that there's so many different iterations and movements that have come before because the technology has never quite been here. And there's a handful of other actors that are also working in different platforms and different spaces doing similar types of performances. And I've worked with many of them. Um, but yes, I believe that we are collectively, I'll, I'll give credit to everybody. Okay. We are this first generation of live performers that are truly being embodied and performing with a live audience in 3D social space over the internet. Um, it's so amazing. Yes, I, I, it's very exciting. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes, it's super. I was checking your YouTube channel and I saw you with that goggles. <laughs> yeah. And I said, the oh, goggles. Goggles. And I say, wow, it's almost like the one I used to see Avatar. <laughs> no. <it's> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Avatar, they are simple. They are the 3D glasses. glasses. But there are similarities in the sense that basically what those 3D glasses are allowing you to see is to be able to perceive the media differently. You're able to see things in that media um, and experience it in a more immersive way. And in many ways, that's what these goggles are as well. And there's a variety of different headsets from different companies. Some are very expensive, some are much cheaper. But the underlying goal is that you can just actually be more embodied and have more agency and be more immersed inside of stories, which is really exciting. It is. And how does the audience play a role in your virtual reality musical? Do they participate? On yes. Yes. Can you tell us? More? Yes. So I like to use the word responsive in the sense that because interactive can mean everything, right? You know, interactive is used all the time for anything on the internet. And so responsive just means I am a live actor in a 3D world. And I am playing a non-player character of a video game, um, mm -hmm. which are also known as, as NPCs. Mm -hmm. And what that means is I'm a character that I'm, I'm pre-programmed to do a very, very small number of things. I don't have a large scope of tools or a large storyline of my own. I'm a side character. 
And I'm inviting the audience to actually guide me through the story. So what happens is I see the hero die and I don't know how to process grief because that's not part of my programming. So I turn to the audience to say, I don't know what to do with these feelings. I don't know what to do with this emotion. And I don't know how to live without a hero because I'm just supposed to serve the hero. So what do I do? And that's, this means that the audience can truly guide me anywhere or take me anywhere. They can respond however they want to respond. Some audiences are very nice to me. Some audiences are not very nice to me. Um, but effectively, I have four players, audience members that are often in VR headsets with me. And they're kind of our primary heroes of the experience mm -hmm. and the adventure. And I, I do a lot of improvisation with them, basically. Whatever they want to say, whatever they want to do, they control the adventure. The opening song actually has a whole lyric about you can control the adventure. Then there's the seated audience or the live stream audience. Mm -hmm. And this feels a lot to me like if you've ever watched video games on Twitch or YouTube, where you mm -hmm. have these incredible players that are like experts at video games and they play the video game and then they have all these followers in the chat that want to shout out suggestions or help out with tips or they might know something else that somebody else doesn't do or just hang out casually and chat or laugh or make a joke and so what i want to explore and what we've been exploring is allowing this second tier audience to be a real life chat you know, we can hear them, we can talk to them, they can shout out suggestions, they can sing along, um, and they are kind of the secondary audience participation to the show. And the most similar that this has been for me is I was in Rocky Horror Picture Show. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, I heard about it. It's yes. an old movie from the 80s, and it's, it's yeah. a cheesy musical. And what they do now is they do midnight showings where they show it at like an indie art house and then actors sing the songs live or perform the bits live and the audience shout things out to make the story funnier. Mm -hmm. And that's the closest we have right now to basically what VR allows, which is that you can have this rowdy, excited audience that's just along for the ride as part of the story, but they can participate. They can co-create. They can shout things out. They can throw things. They can join. They can point things out, um, which makes it a very interactive and responsive experience they can co-create the narrative and this exactly spectacular i wow i'm so excited about it and brendan what do you think the future of virtual reality will look like well that's a great question um if i knew i think i'd be very rich so <laughs> maybe maybe we should start a company together um but i think for me virtual reality is an invitation it is effectively part of, you may have heard a lot about Web3 and blockchain and things like this in the world. Mm -hmm. I think that all of this is wrapped up in the same idea that there was Web1, which is static information on the internet, that you know where that information is and you go and get it. That's early internet. That's what existed. Then we added dynamic media and socialization to the internet. The idea that we could interact in real time with each other, the idea that we could share these things across different static web pages, the idea that we had media that would interact with us or respond or play back for us, um, which leads into live streaming and vlogging and podcasting and all that great media rich experiences. Now there's this new third layer, which involves a lot of the times blockchain technology, AI, and really what we're getting to is the idea that 
can we create some sort of ledger or tracking that what you do on one dynamic static web page follows you to another dynamic static web page. So if you're inside my musical and you find a prop, right? You find a key and it's a secret key because it's hidden. And so only some audiences find it. Could you go to another experience on another website and suddenly now open up special content that no one else could access? Right. And that idea that you could move between interactive and 3D or embodied experiences and acts and it remembers what you've accessed, what you haven't, what your avatar is, what objects you've purchased or purchases you've made on this one site that can transfer to another. That interoperability to me is the promise of Web3 technology and then with it virtual reality. Because I think what is exciting is that there will be. I remember early YouTube. As soon as YouTube came out, I went, oh, that's the future. Because basically anybody can now create content, can basically create a TV network. And I think that taking that a step further, what if anybody could create a theme park? The idea that basically you can create a world, an experience, populate it with your content, things you love, congregate your audience, your friends, your family, your people, and then share those experiences with each other. And I think that that's a very exciting future. And with it comes a lot of, you know, protocols and coding and regulation and safe concerns and all sorts of other stuff. But I think that there's a very interesting opportunity to allow anybody in the world, the way that we've seen anybody in the world be able to make 2D content with a camera in their pocket on their phone. The idea that anybody can make 3D experiences where they can actually coexist with other humans across the internet is a very exciting invitation for those that want to use it for good. Yeah. I mean, I understand only a little bit about this. I think that we're all, it's so new and we're all figuring out together. I was going to ask you, how did you learn all that you've been doing? Because you are an actor, you are a writer, but also you understand about VR or AI and also these <laughs> technologies. How did you learn all these things, Brandon? I mean, I learned by being curious. I'm constantly exploring new things. And I, what I really think is that it is a remarkable time. I know there's a lot of anxiety about AI technology. They're going to replace humans, right? And I think that being trained as an actor or a storyteller or a creator of any kind makes you a person that is, first of all, your career is not a singular project. I think a lot of people work at a, the same company for 10, 15, 20 years, right? And if that company goes away or if that company changes, that's really scary. But for us, my best job I've ever had, I didn't get fired, but I lost the job three months later because the job was over, right? Like the TV show ended or the movie ended, like that's how the job works. So it's built in that I'm going to constantly need to be searching for the next thing. So it isn't as scary to me that I might quote unquote lose my job because I've always been losing my job. That's, that's how entertainment works. Similarly, every single job in the arts often involves you being incredibly curious about that character or that world or that format 
right? You're crafting this gift for the audience and you're wanting to crawl inside that, that world and learn everything you can about it. Like if I'm going to play a doctor, I'm going to go learn everything I can about being a doctor. And so when it comes to my scrappy storytelling work and my own personal work, I think that that same curiosity means that if I want to learn how virtual reality works, it's like how I train to be a character or how I write a script and that I just become very fascinated and obsessed and curious with how all that works, figure out what I can learn and then accept the parts that I don't because what's nice about being an actor is I'm going to be faking it no matter what happens. So I don't have to learn how to conduct heart surgery because no one's going to die. And similarly, I don't need to necessarily learn everything about technology and coding because if that part of my show is a little clunky okay that part of my show is a little clunky i'm not worried about it completely preventing the whole thing from happening gotcha and are you currently working on anything you would like to share with us that's a great question what am i allowed to talk about i've got two projects i'm very excited about right now that i can't talk about however non-player character the musical is quote unquote, touring, which means that we take it to cities and venues and actually perform it live on stage with audiences, which is very fun. But it also means we do virtual rehearsals every week preparing for those shows. So anybody listening to this right now can actually follow my blog and sign up for an open rehearsal to just come on your computer, your tablet, or if you own a VR headset, come on that. And so we're doing that show uh, ongoing. Uh, which is really, really exciting. And then my movie, A Tale by, Told by an Idiot, uh, is out in the world. So you can watch that on Vimeo. And you can watch Dolly Parton's Magic Mountain Christmas on Peacock, which is very exciting. And then I was part of Marvel's latest video game, um, Midnight Suns, that you can download and play if you're a video game person. Great. You've been doing so much. Is there a message you would like to leave for our listeners today? Sure. I, I will say that my motto with all of everything we've been talking about has been do the thing, make the thing. So do the thing, make the thing, whatever that thing is, whatever that interest or curiosity or excitement you have. And it doesn't have to be art related. It could be whatever that thing is in your life you want to do. I think there's never going to be a perfect time to do it. You're never going to have the money you want or the team you want or all the resources you want. It's just, that's not coming. That's not happening. There's no perfect way to time it out. And so just start. And again, just becoming slightly curious, whether it's 30 minutes a day or an hour a day or whatever it is that you can dedicate towards it. Most of the most exciting work I've done in my life has been built on nights and weekends with my friends, just because we wanted to do it. And ultimately what came out the other end was incredible artistic projects that we were really proud of that I got to then meet people like you and talk about with from across the world. And so just by doing the thing and making the thing, you will have far more success than will ever just land at your doorstep. So go out there and do the thing. Yes, totally. Thank you. That was Thank a you. great advice. And where can we find you online? Give us all your socials, your YouTube channel, your blog. I am very, very easy to find on the internet. Uh, I am Brendan A. Bradley, all of the places. Literally, if there is a handle that I'm on, if there's a platform I'm on, I am Brendan A. Bradley on that platform. So if you search for Brendan A. Bradley, 
I'm probably most available on Twitter and Instagram, but it is also my website, brendanabradley.com. Um, and it's all the other places too. So please go find me and start a conversation. Fabulous. And I know that to reply because you replied to me. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, also, we would love to feature one of your articles in our magazine, The Relatable Voice. So okay. if you feel like writing, I believe that our listeners will love to see your pictures, your socials mm -hmm. there as well. So just let me know and we'll be happy to have you in the magazine. Great. I would love to. Wonderful. So thank you very, very much for your presence. It was wonderful to go to North Carolina <laughs> and speak with you. Also, thank you for teaching me a little bit about virtual reality. And I hope I can give you another ride wherever you are. Yes, please come back anytime, y'all. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money.